DM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Friday. It is November 16th. And last night on Thursday Night Football, Michael Lombardi, we saw Mike McCarthy make a decision that may have been one of his lasting decisions as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. We shall see. But first, Lombardi, how you doing? It's Friday. Hope you're enjoying yourself. You know, Dave Frazier, I am. I mean, it's really great. I mean, almost Thanksgiving. You got to like that, right? And good game last night. Some really good games. I think this is winner go loser go home weekend in the NFL. I mean, if the Eagles don't win, they're they probably can't make the playoffs. They, my man, the Clapper in Dallas. If they don't win, Atlanta. Same thing. There's a lot of those kind of games, which makes which makes them a lot of fun to watch. Like last night. To me, last night was a loser go home type of game. And the losers that are going home, uh, inevitably so, the Green Bay Packers. And in this game, the reason it was such a hot topic is. They're trailing 27 to 24. We have about four minutes left on the clock. It's a fourth and two. They are in Seahawks territory, and Mike McCarthy has a decision to make. We've seen Doug Peterson and a lot of these younger guys, Sean McVay, for example. They Riverboat Ron, even back, you know, back a few years ago, that you know, we're willing to go for it on fourth down when we think uh the percentages are in our favor. Uh, we make that decision, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. They decide to punt instead, they give the ball back to Russell and Bustle Wilson. Russell Wilson is uh, very keen on getting you know games done. He can run the clock out. He'll take a, he'll slide if he has to, and that's what happens last night. And now everyone's pointing the finger at Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers included, and Lombardi. I mean, what what is the message uh, if you are a Green Bay Packers fan, or if you're a Packers player, or if you're Aaron Rodgers? Uh, it looks like McCarthy didn't believe that you could get that first down there. Well, look, I think you got to take a step back. So he doesn't challenge uh, the the locket catch, right? Which was, you know, there was a timeout on the field Mm -hmm. because of Kenny Clark's injury. So there was ample time to look at it. Now, my first reaction when I saw it was I thought it was a catch. But then, you know, Buck came back and so did Pereira saying, hey, that's not a catch. And there was ample opportunity. Now, he only had one timeout. So maybe he's thinking, and I don't know if this is true, but maybe he's thinking, okay, I only have one timeout. I don't want to lose that timeout. I'm going to need it when I get the ball back. So I'm not going to challenge. But if he thought that, then when he sent Rodgers back onto the field to start the next drive, he had to be he had to tell Rodgers before you go on the field, look, it's four we're in four down territory. We only have one timeout. If they get two first downs, the game's over. So we're going to go four plays for 10 yards no matter what happens. Right? Yes. And yet he decides to punt. And I mean, that is such a classic 1980s philosophy that it just gets to blow your mind. First of all, first and foremost, Tate Frazier, nobody, and I'm going to underline that, nobody, including the great Chicago Bears, plays great defense in, in its entirety. Mm-hmm. There's situational defense, which the Bears are very good at. The Titans are very good at. And the Ravens are good at. In fact, this week I spent a lot of the week just studying defensive football and looking at the teams that were really good in situational defense. And and I broke it down by seven or eight categories that you have to be good in. And the Titans and Seattle are outstanding. They were one, two when I broke them down. Philadelphia, Minnesota, Chicago, Baltimore, Dallas are good in those areas. Okay. So as you're the head coach, you know, the team you're playing is really good in situational defense, but you're not. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So when you punt that ball back, do you really think you're getting it back? Do you really think you're getting it back? There's no freaking chance you're getting it back, right? And so you lose the game. And then all it takes is two first downs and you're out. Instead of thinking this way, Tate Frazier, if we don't get it on fourth down, 
the Seahawks will have the ball on, let's say, our own uh, the, uh, our 23-yard line. We still mm-hmm. have one timeout in the two-minute warning. Okay, Seattle's going to be conservative at this point. Seattle's going to make sure they get those three points. They're going to want to go up by six to force a touchdown to beat you, right? Yes, sir. Yep. And so they're going to run it three times. You have less of the field to defend. We're so caught up in field position as opposed to getting the ball back that it's making bad decisions. And I think that's what McCarthy did. He played a field position game. And the reality of it is, is the NFL today, based on offensive football, is no longer a field position league. And we can do a bare bones situation here with this argument where what do the Seahawks, what does Pete Carroll want you to do there? And well, he wants you to punt the ball. And even after the game, he said, I was very relieved that they decided to punt the ball there. So you're putting the ball. I mean, I know everyone's pointing to the fact that you're not, that McCarthy wasn't believing in Aaron Rodgers on fourth and two to get that. But in reality, he was, he was not believing in Russell Wilson to be able to end a game, a thing that Russell Wilson, that, that's what he's built to do. It's not like you're kicking the ball back to, I don't know, Blake Bortles or the heist or, you know, e- even a guy like a, you know, a young quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky. You're not kicking the ball back to those guys. You're, you're kicking the ball back to a guy who is trained at winning games and drawing games out and being smart to slide and, and, and being able to let the clock run and, and know where to go. And that's uh, that was a confusing part to me. It, it wasn't like you weren't just giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers right there. You were giving the ball to Russell Wilson to go win the game. And, and that's what Russell's able to do. And he's done it plenty of times. Right. Before. And you made a great point here. Now, just think of it from Pete Carroll's standpoint, Pete Carroll, if he gets the ball back, he's saying to himself, I ain't giving this ball back to Aaron Rodgers. There's no fucking way I'm giving it back to Rodgers, right? There's no way. I'll do whatever I have to do to win this game with my offense because I'm not watching Aaron Rodgers go down. You know that. You, my, if you're Mike McCarthy, you know that. You know they're not going to give the ball back to your star quarterback. So why would you take it out of his hands? Why would you do that? If you said it's because you only have one time. I mean, it, nothing jives here. I mean, the two things I can't figure out watching that game last night, and perhaps you can elaborate on one of them, <laughs> is I can't figure out why he didn't challenge. I can't figure out why he didn't go for it on fourth down. And I really can't figure out, and it was making me crazy, why Ken Norton has his fingers taped? Like, why does he have his fingers taped? I'm not sure. Is he playing? I I think he's getting ready for the game. Yeah, just to make sure, just in case anything pops off. I mean, he needs to step in. He can do that. You don't think it's paper (laughs) cuts? You don't think from doing all the paperwork during the week, he got paper cuts in those A lot of red tape. A lot of red tape. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) I mean, I don't get it. Like, to me, tape free, I don't get it. But- I mean, I'm still not going to solve that. Somebody, whoever listens to this, can you please tell me why he puts tape on? Let's I'm willing out. to listen to it on Twitter. That's worth it. But the mystery. reality here is, it's like you just basically defended your best player. You took the ball out of his hands. You're the reason. I mean, then I look at the stat sheet, right? And everybody, you know, again, once again, you know, the Packers missed a field goal. That's a turnover. When when you'll you'll listen to the commentary at the game, well, the Packers won the turnover battle, one one, one nothing. No, they didn't. It was one one. They didn't win it. They turned it over too. That's one. Mm-hmm. Secondly, those special those penalties, the hidden yardage that was lost in this game was remarkable. That fifty three yard kickoff return that went back to the ten, that was a that was forty three yard penalty. Now the Packers had five penalties for eighty yards in the game, but that penalty was forty three yards. And then the holding call on my man Aaron Jones's big run, that was an 18-yard differentiation. I mean, you you know, they're giving you you're giving yards away, you're making poor decisions, and you wonder why you're not winning road games. And that comes down to the discipline of the team, and that's why a lot of fingers are being pointed at Mike McCarthy right now. They're four, five, and one on the year. Aaron Rodgers expects to be in the playoffs. Most Packers fans expect to be in the playoff race. Like you said, this was a loser go home match. Uh the Packers 
look like they're you know they're all but done at this point. Even Jimmy Graham today came out; he may have a thumb injury, so he could be out. Um, for whatever reason, it just seems like Green Bay has not been able to get it to get it together this year, and uh, they take another loss. But if you're a Seahawks fan, this is uh, very encouraging because you come off that Rams game where you had a real chance there at the end to get a win, take a heartbreaking loss, but then you bounce back real quickly on Thursday uh, and get a nice, nice uh, NFC win over the Green Bay Packers. So before we move on, let's take a quick break. Cavo Control Center with Universal Remote makes everything you have connected to the TV, including the remote control itself, easy for the whole family to use. Cavo Control Center is the first truly universal TV remote control for your entire home theater. You can connect up to four devices like live TV, cable, DVR, game consoles, Apple TV, Roku, and more, plus a sound system. Once you connect Control Center, you can use the all-in-one voice-activated TV remote to control everything that's connected to your TV. Just ask, relax, and enjoy. The Cabo Control Center lets you conduct true universal search across all your apps and subscriptions and centralizes all your content in one place so it's easy to find what you want to watch. It's simple to set up, family-friendly, and works with Google Voice and Amazon Alexa. Plus, shipping is free and comes with a 30-day guarantee. Shop now at Cabo.com and use promo code NFL for 20% off. That's C-A-A-V-O.com, promo code NFL. Back to GM Street. Uh, we're moving on now. We're going to get to Week 11 slate. These are the five games uh, that we're going to give you out. Lombardi does this every single week. Uh, we got teams with buys in Week 11. We got the Bills that are off, the Browns that are off, the Dolphins that are off, the Patriots that are off, the Jets that are off, and the 49ers. They're all off this week. And now we're going to look at the five games, Lombardi, that you're uh, keen on. And the first one we have, the Philadelphia Eagles traveling down to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and right now the Eagles 4-5, and five, Saints 8-1. and one. Saints favored by 7.5 in this one. What are you looking for? Uh, Lombardi in this game. Well, you know, this is it for the Eagles. I mean, I, you know, Jason Kelsey came out this week and said the players have lost their focus and they don't have the same attention to detail that they did last year. You know, that's not a shock, shock at all. When you win a Super Bowl, it's always hard to refocus people. I mean, that's the reality. And then when you look at the Eagles uh, IR list, you know, Jay Ajay, Derek Barnett, Ronald Darby, Mac Collins, Roddy McLeod, you know, Mike Wallace, they've got a bunch of guys that are hurt. And I think that they've done this year, which is they've not been able to do all season, is, is that they, they're 23rd in first quarter point differential. Last year, they were the best team in the NFL. This year, they're 25th in first half point differential. Last year, they were the second best team in the NFL. They can't play from in front. Now, all that being said, I think when you look at this team, defensively is really where some of the issues have creeped up because of their defensive line in Philadelphia. You know, they allow, they're they're not a great tackling team. Schwartz bitched about it this week. They're 22nd in the league and allowing yards after the catch. You know, people want, people here in Philadelphia, everywhere I go, oh, Schwartz doesn't blitz. We got to blitz more. The reason he doesn't blitz is because the quarterback has 102 rating against them, ranking 21st in the league whenever the Eagles blitz. And the biggest problem is the Eagles can't get the ball, can't turn the ball over. And they're turning Mm -hmm it over the 30th in the league and fumbles lost and you know something else take Frazier to consider they're 26th in the league in three and out drives the Saints are second they've only had nine three and out drives all year okay the birds have had 23 so this is two different offenses but I think the desperation of the Eagles makes me think that it will be a really close game I think the Eagles will have to play their best. I believe they'll move the ball. And I think Armstead's injury at left tackle really affects Drew Brees and his comfort level. Whether they move Austin Pete out, I don't know what happens here, how they configure the line. But I do think the Eagles will play this really competitively. And I think Carson Wentz will make a lot of plays against this Saints defense that has had to play pretty well. But I think this they'll struggle to win this game. 
And you bring that up, uh, the Eagles are tied for 28th with just seven takeaways this season. So that's another thing. Drew Brees has only thrown one pick this season. Uh, and then an interesting wrinkle, the Saints have not beat the defending Super Bowl champion in their last eight meetings, uh, dating back to 2003. That's from ESPN Stats and Info. So, um, you know, maybe there's a chance uh, that they can keep that streak alive and, and the Eagles can get a nice win down in New Orleans. That, that would bounce them back into the conversation at least. And like you said, Armstead being out will be uh, – will be something to keep an eye on, especially to see if uh, that Eagles front four can get some pass rush without a blitz, you know? No doubt. I mean, that's going to be a great game. I think it'll be a great atmosphere. I just think the Eagles, you know, I think they'll have a great game in them. Now, can they maintain this? I don't know, mm -hmm. but I do think they'll have a great game. Now, I think they'll struggle to cover. There's no doubt they will struggle to cover. I think this will be a high-scoring game, but I think the Eagles will make some plays. If the Eagles had a back, a legitimate back, I know they're talking about Golden Tate playing more this week. He's not a running back. I think they control the pace of the game, but uh, I, I just, to me, I think this is the Eagles' final song. If they don't do it, I don't see how they. I don't see how they make the playoffs. Yeah, they could be like Aaron Rodgers and uh, see themselves on the outside looking in this season. Uh, let's get to the next game we have on the docket. We have the Carolina Panthers traveling up to Detroit. The Panthers are favored by three and a half in this game. Uh, I mean, the Lions have really struggled with dealing with uh, rushing attacks. This is obviously Cam Newton, Chris McCaffrey. That's what the Panthers do. So in this game, Lombardi, uh, do you see the the Lions being able to get an upset, or do you see the Carolina Panthers being able to be a good road team for the first time this year? Well, the Lions went outside to practice. I mean, it caused a lot of discomfort up in the Detroit area. Look, I, one of the reasons the Patriots practice outside all the time is because the Patriots play outside all the time. The Patriots play to their element. Belichick wants the team to get mentally tough to handle every condition that you have to have. And I think the idea that to practice out in the snow when you're playing four games indoors looks on the surface to be a little peculiar. Now, I think what Matt Patricia is trying to do is he's trying to improve the mental toughness to get them to focus and concentrate. But I think that's something you do during the offseason. I don't think it's something that you can just do during the season, I think you got to have some balance. And one thing we know in Detroit, there's been no balance. So the players are not happy there. And I think when you look at this defense, I mean, the defense is not very good at all. And they struggle, you know, they have 125 quarterback rating whenever the Lions blitz, you know, anytime. The they can't make plays. They've only had three interceptions all year, and one of them came on the first play of the season. So they can't make any plays on the ball. I think Cam Newton has a great day here. I think Cam Newton's going to be able to do whatever he wants to do, run, pass. I think he'll take advantage of it. I think the Lions lack speed on defense. They can't create turnovers. You know, they're three in the Packer game, and they've had eight all season. So I like the Panthers here a lot. I think the Panthers will play better on defense. Even with Darius Slade coming back, I think they'll move the football. And for Detroit, we should say, I mean, they have had three straight games of double-digit losing. Uh, they're on a three-game double-digit losing streak. There you go. Um, and at this point, I mean, it just seems like they aren't able to protect Matthew Stafford. And they've, like you said, they've, they've struggled with the outside run plays. And that is what Carolina is good at. If that's one thing Carolina can do, uh, they can run the football. So uh, we'll see. That does not seem like a favorable matchup for those guys. The next game we have, we have... Well, you know, the other thing I'll take, oh, yeah. Frazier, not to interrupt you, but I think this is teams going to, you know, Carolina was embarrassed on the road in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. and they've had to sit on that for 10 days. And the Lions have seemed like they have some real discomfort within their own building. I mean, they're not a happy collection of people up there in Detroit. The players aren't happy. I think Patricia's not happy with his team. I think he doesn't think his team's very talented. I think it's a bad situation. It's not the kind of situation you want to start your career off in. In uh, 
as a head coach because you're not carrying any favor there, and it makes it very, very difficult. And Matthew Stafford, the last seven games, he hasn't averaged over eight yards per attempt in any of those games. He's not throwing the ball down the field. Now, this Panther defense on the road isn't great, but I do think they'll win the game. So what happens when the finger pointing starts in Detroit? Does it start going to Jim Bob Cooter and people start blaming the offense? Or did they look at Patricia and say, aren't you supposed to be the defensive guru? Um, uh, you know, that, that's sort of where we're at right now. I mean, I guess you can still point to that Patriots game uh, for anyone that's complaining, but uh, we're, we're far past that at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, look, the Patriots have had three road losses by double digits. I mean, beating the Patriots on the road doesn't seem too hard to anybody right now. And I think the reality here, Tate Frazier, is that you know, Matt's got to prove to people that he's got command of the job and he really has a vision for what he's doing. Remember, he took over a team that was nine and seven last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't a losing team. You know, he came in, the head coach was very popular and he's come in and try to radically change the organization. And I think through those radical changes have left some people really wondering. And I think if he would have taken a softer approach by saying, hey, look, you know, I'm here I got this job because I think I can get us to 10, 11, and 12 wins. I respect Jim Caldwell tremendously. I respect what you guys did here, but we've got to get better in a different way. But he's trying to come in all Belichickian, and that only works for Bill. Mm-hmm. That only works for Belichick. And these and every day there's a fire. He's telling the reporters to sit up straight in their chair. I mean, seriously. I mean, that's throwing a deck off, that's throwing a chair off the Titanic. I mean, you got bigger issues to worry about than some fucking reporter's posture, mm. right? Yes. You yes, know? the defense. Like, <laughs> Your defense's posture on the line, probably. Something like that. Yeah, like, I mean, okay, you're worried about his posture. How about cleaning up and looking presentable, you know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's uh, that's what that sh- reporter should have said back to him, Lombardi. That's the problem with journalism. They don't go back anymore. Um, let's get to the next game. We got the Houston Texans, 6-3, and three, traveling to the Washington Redskins, also 6-3. and three. Houston favored in this game by 2.5, even though they are on the road. Um, Washington's a team that has been very confounding and confusing. They've won a lot of games uh, that maybe they shouldn't have, but they've also won ugly, which is a good quality to have, I guess. Texans, the same way, struggled to start the year. Now they're uh, at 6-3, and three, like I said, so things have turned around for them. This is a, a real test here to see. This is not a loser go home, but this is a, a real test to see who is a real contender and if either one of these teams is an actual contender. Lombardi, who do you like here? I, I like Houston, and I think this. I think you know Washington's never been able to come from behind and win a game, and they've never trailed in a game, and they've never gotten the lead and lost the lead this year. It's been remarkable. Six times they've got the lead early and they've stayed in front. Three times they fell behind and they stayed behind. And what's even more remarkable in the three wins over the last four games, Alex Smith has thrown for exactly, precisely 178 yards in all three of those games. Okay. And last week, Tate Frazier, he threw his first second half touchdown pass of the season in week nine. Now, no Trent Williams, no Chris Thompson, the two guards are out. This is the best defensive front. This is not Tampa's defensive front, even though I thought Tampa's defensive front was good last week. But I do think this defensive front will give them some trouble. And this front can stop the run. I mean, when you look at what they've been able to do when they play on the road, they only give up 3.29 yards per attempt in their last on the road games. And they'll stop the run. And if they stop this running game, then I think there's no chance that they can beat the, beat them throwing the football. I mean, if you just look at the Redskins just on the surface, okay, every game they've won, they've rushed over 100 yards. Games they've lost, they've rushed less than 100 yards. This game is really all about the run game because they're not going to beat you throwing the ball. And if Smith has to throw it 35 times trying to block Marcellus, trying to block Wyatt, trying to block Clowney, they'll turn the ball over. So they've got to run the ball. And if Houston stops to run, I think one-dimensional teams don't win. I like Houston. And Houston's the best in the league on first down and stopping the run. I think they actually do rank first, like three point 
five nine something like that. I read, uh, and also they played Tampa Bay and Atlanta the past two weeks, two defenses that are not so great. So when they see that Texas front, Texans front, it will be a, a different look for sure. And then Jordan Reed, I'm sure, will get a lot of opportunities this week. Uh, to catch some footballs. The next game we have the Tennessee Titans taking on the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are rejuvenated uh, in this division now, five and four over five hundred. Uh, they're favored by two in this game. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, they're four and five at this point. They are favored by two in this game. The Titans are five and four, so this is a, a big divisional game. Uh, I watched Eric Ebron on uh, the NFL Network talking about. Some of the things he put out, you know, about Detroit not believing in him, and he had his three-touchdown game last week. Uh, he was giving all the kudos to Frank Reich, and it was, sort of goes back to what you mentioned, mentioned with uh, Matt Patricia coming in, where he tried to radically change. It was a seismic shift with how we're going to do things when he came in. Uh, Frank Reich came into the Colts. Uh, it seemed like he was a fun-loving guy. The players really like him, and he kind of just took what they already had as a base and tried to improve upon it, and you look at the results right now, and it looks like the Colts are uh, a team that could actually contend in the AFC. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is a huge game for the Colts, right? And they're playing a Tennessee team that uh, I think really has, you know, they're not a complete defense, but situationally, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they're really good. They don't allow scores at the end of the half. They're very good on red zone third downs. They're very good on red zone points allowed. They don't give up big plays. They 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 stop you on third and short. They stop you on third down. The two-minute drill, they're good on defense. And in points allowed, they're good. So they're the number one. Those are the eight situations that I think are most important to every single game. And they're the best situational defense right now in the NFL. Now, conversely, they're playing the second-best third-down offense in football. And I think the, the, the Colts have done a remarkable job. The Colts are resilient. They're tough-minded. They play hard. I think Frank Wright's a tough guy. I think the team has responded to him. Their defense is starting to play better, but their offense has been sensational. They're 22 for 37 on third downs the last three weeks. They've only had one turnover. They've scored 108 points, Tate Frazier. And most importantly, they've rushed the ball for 523 yards in those games. And they averaged 30 points. I don't see Tennessee scoring 30 in this game. I think this is a moment where Indianapolis really gets right back in the race. I think Indy has a big win. And we should point out Indy has been giving up a lot of points. I mean, they, they've given up about 27 points per game this season. So there's a chance that Mariota and those guys uh, could put up some points. But the Colts... Uh, for whatever reason, Lombardi, I, I have sort of bought into what I've seen from them, especially uh, the past three weeks. They are on a three-game winning streak. We should mention also the Titans are on a two-game winning streak. So uh, this will be a, a nice little battle. And, you know, the Colts really rely on tight ends. The Titans do a really good job of locking up tight ends. So uh, this is a, a contrast in styles and a good matchup in that division. The AFC South is a lot of fun now. Uh, a lot of teams involved there. The next game we have. Is in the NFC North. We have the Minnesota Vikings taking on Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Mitchell, uh, Mitchell, Mitchell. You're right, Mitchell. I, I can't help myself. I like calling him Mitch. Uh, the Vikings five three and one. Bears six and three. Chicago favored by two and a half in this one. Uh, I'm expecting to see some good play from Kirk Cousins and and a healthy Dalvin Cook in this one, right, Lombardi? It seems like this is set up for yeah, the Vikings. Yeah, I, I think nice this will be a really good game. I, I think my, I love Mike Zimmer's quote. He said they, there have been times he's talking about Trubisky. He said there have been some times where free runners and it looks like they're telling him. Hey, you got to get the ball out. And then there are other times he looks like Fran Tarkin and scrambling around, which I think is pretty clear. I mean, you know, people don't realize this. Trubisky's got 320 yards rushing, you know, on 41 attempts. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. You know, he's able to to run the ball. He averages about five runs, almost a little under five runs a game. And that foot, and you got to control him in the pocket. And I think he's about to play the best third down defense in football by far. They've only allowed nine third downs to be converted on the road all season, nine for 41. 
and no team has thrown for 300 yards against him. So I think this is a huge challenge for him to handle the, the Mike Zimmer style of defense. And I think Dalvin Cook coming back really gives them an opportunity to be explosive on offense and move the football, much like the Patriots did in that game. Now, I, I also think that Zimmer's going to blitz them because the, the Bears are not very good when you blitz them. Um, Trubisky's 22nd in the NFL when facing pressure. And I think he's going to see a lot of A-gap pressures. I think they're going to come from different angles. And I think once they get through the first quarter, once the script's over, then I think you'll see Zimmer make the adjustments. And then I think it's going to have to be, you know, what happens. I mean, just it's interesting. Trubisky averages almost 9.3 yards in the first quarter. Five of his touchdown passes happened in the first quarter. So he's going to have to keep going. And his interceptions happen in the second, third, and fourth quarter. That's where he's thrown seven, seven interceptions. Now he's thrown six touchdown passes in the third quarter. But he's got seven in the thir- last three quarters. So I-, I think as the game gets adjusted, that's why I favor Zimmer here. And we've seen how comfortable uh, Trubisky in that Bears offense uh, tends to look. I mean, you can look at that Packers game early in the season. When they come out and they know what they're doing and they have the play scripted, you know, they look like one of the scariest offenses. And then as the game, you know, wears on, we do see some of the chinks in the armor. But Mitchell Trubisky, reigning NFC Offensive Player of the Week, we'll see if he can handle that pressure, uh, you know, going in and taking on Mike Zimmer's defense. So those are the five games we have, Lombardi, but we have to talk about the biggest game of the week, right? On Monday Night Football, we got the Chiefs, the Rams, uh, the two teams that everyone is excited to see play each other. Uh, this game was supposed to be in Mexico City. We talked about that on Tuesday. The NFL decided that uh, conditions were not up to par uh, on their front, so they decided to move this game back to Los Angeles, even though the Rams are already practicing and, uh, and altituding and ready for Mexico City. Uh, they're going to be able to play basically a home game at this point. Um, in this one... Do you expect to see, I mean, Sean McVay's done all the glowing reviews. He said that he's taken plays from Andy Reid, how much he respects him. We've seen, uh, you know, guys talk a little bit of trash, but a lot of people think this may be the Super Bowl matchup. So this could be a primer for what we see uh, later in the season. Yeah, I do. I think, it, I think you know, obviously this, this when you just go through the numbers, Tay Frazier, it's the, these two teams are right next to each other. You know, Kansas City and the, is the best team playing Canadian football, you know, getting first downs and two downs. The Rams are fourth. Uh, you know, their run-pass ratio in the first half is pretty much identical. You know, they, their, their run-pass ratio in the second half is pretty much the, their yards per play. You know, last year, I mean, the Chiefs are at 695. The Rams are number two at 691. Last year, the Rams were only 578 and the Chiefs were 610. So the Rams have made a huge jump in yards per play. Even though people have studied their offense, they still can't stop it. And I think this game is going to come down to which red zone def- offense plays the best. You know, Rams are bad on red zone third downs. They're the worst team in the NFL. They've had 28 attempts. That's the second most red zone attempts on third down in the league. And yet they've only converted seven of them. Can you imagine how many points they would score if they could have converted more of those? Mm. So anyway, I, I think the Chiefs have played better defense in the last four weeks. Only one team has gained over 400 yards against them in the last four weeks, which is saying something. Two of those teams gained under 300 yards. Cincinnati and Arizona. Not Cincinnati used to be a good offense, not anymore. But I think Kansas City is going to be tough to play. I think they can make some plays. I just know this. Goff is much better at home than he is on the road. I think if this game was in Mexico City, I would have favored I would have favored Kansas City. But Goff at home, he averages 10.2 yards per attempt. On the road, he averages 8.5. Mm. So that's significant. So I'm going to go with the Rams here. I think that's a good pick. And I will say uh, this is a nice little tidbit. It's due to a scheduling snafu. But the last time that the Rams played in the Coliseum on Monday Night Football was 1979. 
they made it to the Super Bowl that year, Lombardi. So uh, if you believe, they always always have those little nuggets. I love it. There you go. So if you believe in history repeating itself, there's a chance uh, that the Los Angeles Rams they may not win this Monday night, uh, but there's a chance there's a path to the Super Bowl. Uh, so LA fans will be very excited to hear that. I'm sure. Uh, anything else this week in Week 11 we should keep an eye on? Uh, I, I saw a couple headlines. Obviously, people were talking about Le'Veon Bell, his locker getting raided, uh, and him not playing this season. But I think we're we're we've talked about that ad nauseum at this point, and, and we yeah, know we where have. He you know, and I mean, it, nobody's. You know, it's just it's it, to, to me, it's a dead story. Move on, as, as Parcells would say. You know, the dog's dead. Quit kicking it. Go to the next one. Did you also see Bill Parcells came out and said the 49ers? Uh, that Bill Walsh cheated during the 1985 playoff matchup, that he sabotaged his headset? <laughs> I didn't see that. No, I got to go read that. Oh, yeah. It's on ESPN.com. Wait a minute. Yeah, we, we, got, got, we got beat in 85. Oh, no, that game was that game was the, the year we went to the Super Bowl. Was it a playoff, 85 playoff game? Yes. Yeah, we beat them there in Candlestick. Yeah. <laughs> they came back and got us the next year, so I don't think it really had anything to do with it. But well, I, I got to go read that quote. You got you to go read that. He said that uh, he told Walsh but in warm-ups, he said, if you pull the same shit you pulled last year, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to I'm going to tell the league about it. Um, so Bill Parcells coming out, throwing shots at Bill Walsh. I like that. Bill versus Bill. A lot of Bills out there uh, taking on each other. You know, Maybe we need another documentary, Bill versus Bill, like the Belichick one with Bill Walsh and Bill Parcells talking about this story. Uh we can we can get you Lombardi to speak for that uh, if that happens. There you go. There you go. That works out. Uh, this has been another edition of GM Street. Uh, we got the five games ready. We will be back on Tuesday to break it all down in Week Eleven, and uh, we will see who are the real contenders, who are the pretenders, and uh, all things NFL this Sunday. I'll see you on Tuesday, Lombardi. Thanks, Dave Frazier. Whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at my bookie this football season. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, you can create a big parlay. Shout out to the parlay kid. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you can turn $100 into $600. Bet on college basketball, football, NBA, NHL, custom props, and even esports. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention in DM and have given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season alone. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code RingerNFL to get a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code RingerNFL. You play, you win, you get paid. And let's also talk about KiwiCo. KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids that make learning about STEAM fun. KiwiCo projects are designed to spark creativity, tinkering, and learning in kids of all ages. They inspire kids to see themselves as makers and to develop creative confidence to change the world through engineering and creating their own innovative designs and outcomes. Their mission is to empower kids not just to make a project, but to make a difference. KiwiCo makes the perfect gift for the kids in your life. Each month, they'll receive a fun, engaging new project, which will help develop their creativity and confidence. KiwiCo has six lines of projects to choose from, like the Tadpole Crate for kids 0-2, to two, all the way up to the Tinker Crate for teens. KiwiCo is offering today's listeners the chance to try them for free, just in time for the holiday season. To redeem this offer and learn more about their projects for kids, visit KiwiCo.com NFL. That's KiwiCo, K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash NFL to try them out for free. And now, here's the fantasy football guys with some last second fantasy football advice. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Danny Heifetz. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. How you doing, DK? 
I'm doing great. That was a very subdued welcome. I was expecting the big, you know, the triple welcome, come one, come all, but I get that it's Friday, so we got to kind of keep it quicker. So Yeah, it's all about the lightning round. Lightning round efficient. time, yeah. It's, all right, we got Craig here with us. How you doing, full-time Craig? What's up? I'm full-time here. <laughs> all right, so... We're going to give some last-second fantasy advice heading into the weekend. We don't know your guys' fantasy teams or leagues quite as well as you do, but we have thoughts, as always, on who will do well and who won't do so well this weekend. Uh, So we can just dive right in, shall we? Yeah, let's do this lightning round. Who's your first guy? I love Josh Reynolds this week, uh, perhaps too enthusiastically. Uh, He's obviously (laughs) the receiver who seems like he'll replace Cooper Cup in the Rams now that Cup is out for the year with a knee injury and... The over-under on this Chiefs-Rams game is, is 64. <laughs> like, I think That's it's the awesome. highest one in more than 30 years, uh, <laughs> at least, because I don't know if they actually keep track after that. I don't know what they were doing with bookies in the 70s. But um, Cup was a, a cog in the machine. The Rams offense is as well-oiled as anything, and this is going to be an absolute shootout. I, I just very— con- Reynolds had two touchdowns last time he replaced Cup. You can't do that every time, but I really think the odds of him finding the ends in this week are really strong. Man, I love that over under. That's gonna be such a good yeah. game. Can't wait. Um, I'm with you on. I'm with you on Reynolds. I'm in on him this week just based on that offense is so good. And like you said, that he he's just a part of that scheme. So my guy, my first guy, Willie Sneed, the Ravens going up against the Bengals. Uh, the first thing to note with Sneed is, of course, the running or the quarterback situation is very unsure right now. Right now, it is Thursday in the afternoon. We do not know what's going on with. Either Lamar Jackson, RG3. I don't even know if Flacco has a chance this week. So Lamar missed Thursday's practice with an illness. A stomach issue. A stomach issue. Yeah. So that doesn't bode well for Jackson playing. Uh, So it could be RG3, maybe Flacco. Regardless, I still kind of like Snead this week. He's been, as as he has been all year, kind of a low-ceiling, high-floor guy. This week he's going against the Bengals, though, who are one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. They're giving up the fifth most fantasy points per game to receivers this year. Sneed, his targets, just going back to four weeks, 10, 7, 11, and then 8 last week, 7 catches, 58 yards. He's not going to get... He hasn't broken the 100-yard mark in a while. At least I I can't remember if he's done it all this year. Um, And he's not going to score a ton of touchdowns, but in PPR, he is a valuable play, so... I'm I'm in on on Snead this week, regardless of the QB situation. More in or less in if RG three plays? It doesn't matter. I think it honestly. I'm in. He's that slot guy. He's going to be sort of a security blanket underneath for whoever starts. So yeah. All right, that makes sense. I'm excited for Lamar to come back from the stomach flu, have his own Jordan <laughs> flu game. Another group we touched on the Eagles running backs right now is just this really very not scary three headed monster of Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, the Hobbit himself, and Corey Clement. Uh, I think that this is a strange game for this trio because mm-hmm. Adam's snap count has jumped up a lot from 12% in week seven, and now he's getting like a third of carries or third of snaps in week 10. He's like the best runner. I think they want him to be their primary back close to the J.I.J.I. role. This is not a good week for the J.I.J.I. role because the Saints just rolled the Bengals. Yeah. They probably won't roll the Eagles the same way, but maybe a safe bet that the Eagles will be playing from behind, and that's not really what you definitely want from Josh Adams. I don't know if any of these guys have a huge game, or at least it's hard to predict the pass game right now between Smallwood and Clement. Uh, I think Adams is the one you want going forward. I don't know if I want any of these guys for this week, so I'm out on on the Eagles, man. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it doesn't look like a good uh, game script for for any of these guys, especially Adams, who is, I think, less of the passing game contributor. I think Smallwood and Clement probably more in that that zone, but I can see one of them having a good game. I just am not sure who it is. All right, my next guy is Golden Tate. Sticking with the Eagles. Um, <laughs> going up against the Saints. 
Took him a while to get involved last week. He had he only played 18 out of 62 snaps. That's 29%. This week, I think he's going to be a little bit more involved. He's going to be going up against likely P.J. Williams quite a bit. That's the Saints' probably worst secondary coverage guy. He's allowing 71% completion rate, 13 yards per, per reception, and a touchdown every nine targets in coverage per fantasy pro. So that's not good. I, I think Tate is going to be a bigger part of the offense this week going forward. I think he's going to be a must-start guy basically every week. So I'm you, in on Wait, Tate. what? You think Golden Tate's a must-start guy every week? Do you not? I have made my thoughts on receivers very clear. I don't trust Golden Tate or Demarius Thomas. <laughs> Craig's looking at me at better Amari Cooper. No, I don't trust Tate at all the rest of the season, actually. All right. Well, that's fair. I do. Uh, we'll see how this goes because... This will be a good litmus test for your yeah. For your thing because Tate this is. is like, I don't like receivers who change teams, man. Tate is like a. I don't know what what did he what was he when he um got traded in terms of I, I want to know that stat like top ten or whatever in in PPR leagues because he was just dominating it. Yeah, on a different team with a different quarterback in a different city. Just don't think it matters. We'll see. Uh, I would love to revisit this. Speaking of Eagles receivers and trades and leaving Philadelphia, uh, Deshaun Jackson, the Bucks are playing the Giants this week. This is not, look, not everything in fantasy can be rational. Uh, I'm speaking now as a Giants fan. Deshaun Jackson will score in this game. He murders the Giants. Uh, I literally see this man in my nightmares. He's going to get a touchdown of 50 more yards. Craig tells me the numbers apparently aren't that good against the Giants. Ooh, it's what, (laughs) 3.8 catches for 63 yards and a third of a touchdown against the Giants in 17 games. I don't care about your fancy numbers, Craig. All right? Just doing my job. Um, it's jobs, numbers, <laughs> facts. I, none of this matters. It's about feeling and gut, and that is the only thing you can really trust in this world. Deshaun Jackson, lock it in, will have a touchdown that not only wins you your fantasy matchup, but breaks the back of any hope the Giants have of winning this game. I, I'm extremely, like, there's no way he doesn't crush The Buccaneers us. are just going to score, like, 10 touchdowns this week. They had 500 yards last week and no and no touchdowns, so I think the, it's gonna, the back is going to break, and they're finally going to I break hate out. Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> So much. Yeah, yeah, I like him. Ugh, all right, moving on. Out on Deshaun Jackson as a Giants fan. In on him as a, as a fantasy play. That's pretty big of you to, to say that. Good for you. I hate him so much. He, he owns real estate in my head. He, so, oh, my God. All right, my next guy, Cortland Sutton of the Broncos, going up against the Chargers. First game without Demarius Thomas. He saw five targets. Uh, you know, what didn't really make the most of it. Going forward, He's going to probably get a little bit bigger piece of the pie. I know that, uh, I think Vance Joseph kind of like said something about how he was winded or something like that in the in the first game. That was before the bye two weeks ago. We'll see how it goes. I'm not super optimistic about Sutton this week. I think if you're really desperate, he's the guy that you can play just because he's going to get his chances. But he's, going, he's probably going to face Casey Hayward. Hayward is a shutdown type corner. Play, and Sutton plays mostly on the outside. Uh, Hayward typically plays on the outside too. So Chargers giving up 10th fewest fantasy points per game to receivers. I just think it's a tough matchup. I mean, he's obviously got that touchdown upside, but I kind of want to just, I'm waiting on Sutton a little bit to make to see if he's going to kind of break out the way that we all thought he would. I trust him enough that I'm starting him in the Ringer Fantasy League this week because uh, I have to on buys, but I also <laughs> don't trust him enough yeah. that I, I, I think I'm going to lose the matchup. Yeah, the buys, so I mean, you. the buys are a big part of this. So, you know, if you don't have any other options, he's not like the worst option. I'm just a little bit reticent at this point. And by the way, I looked up Golden Tate. He was he was receiver 16 in weeks one through eight. So I was maybe overestimating a little bit, but I still like Golden Tate going forward. Let's finish up with Derrick Henry. Uh, the Titans going up against the Colts. Obviously, last week, 11 rushes, 58 yards, two touchdowns. He only did, he did that on 15 snaps, by the way. Deion Lewis played 49 <laughs> snaps. 
He is the Eric Ebron of running backs. I thought you weren't um, allowed to say his name. Do we have to bleep out Eric Ebron? <laughs> yeah. I don't think, uh, I don't see this week kind of working out for him in the same way that you're too polite. Derrick Henry sucks. He still sucks. And he got lucky last week. That's what you're trying to say. Uh, don't put words in my mouth, first of all. <laughs> but yeah, I'm out on him this week. <laughs> okay, good. That guy's spicy. All right. You want to go to the streamer starting lineup? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, I'm putting words in your mouth. Dak Prescott. Yeah. Uh, he's an option this week. You know, obviously, Mar- Marcus Mariota is another option we talked about on Monday. But I like this matchup going up against the Falcons. Dak has kind of come on last four games. Fantasy points 21, 15, 20, and 29. Falcons this year are giving up the third most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. And because I had to bring it up, Amari Cooper has helped out a lot, kind of (laughs) giving him that number one option, a guy who can get open. It seems to have changed the dynamic of their offense a little bit. So uh, is it a first round worth change? I don't know, but he's definitely, I think, making an impact. Yeah, I will begrudgingly admit he's been better than I thought. I still hold firm on Golden Tate being bad. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. The in- yeah, and then the interesting- I'm just a Golden Tate stand though. Like I've loved Golden Tate basically his whole oh, career. You see, I li- oh my god! Well, no, I, forgot I this loved him because Seahawks he jumped loves. into the band against Michigan State. Like I was a fan then. It was just a happy accident. He ended up on the Seahawks, and I've loved him ever since. Can, anyway. can we set like a like a statistical line? And if Amari Cooper goes above that, you have to wear an Amari Cooper Cowboys jersey for a podcast. <laughs> uh I like that a lot. Yes, but then there has to be a penalty for you if he doesn't reach it. I'm not just going to do that in a vacuum. All right, we'll think of something. Oh, yeah, we'll think of something. <laughs> Tweet Danny Heifetz what, what you think I should do, and then we'll know. <laughs> I like that. Craig has to do something Rashad, like burn a Rashad Penny jersey. You How must own dare one, right? You? I do not own one. Uh, we'll buy it for you, and then we'll light it on fire. <laughs> um, moving on. Well, actually, no, staying here for a second. The interesting thing, I don't know if you should do this, but if RG3 does play this weekend— I don't know if it would be smart to play him, but it would definitely be more fun to win if you win with RG3. I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> that a, is a recommendation, idea, but, yeah. but it would be fun to win a matchup with either RG3 or Lamar. I don't know what that counts for. But running backs this week, uh, Jalen Richard, not Richard, on the Raiders. They're going against the Cardinals. He's owned in just under half a leagues. And as Craig said, he, just, he, he will get you eight points. He's uh, <laughs> the poor man's Lamar, Lamar Miller. Last six weeks... 8, 6, 10, 8, 8, 5, 8 points. Although the Cardinals are actually giving up a lot of fantasy points to running backs. Just if you want 8 points, start him. <laughs> dare I say, dare I say can I lock in that he's going to go for double digits? I'm going to lock it. Do it. I'm going to lock it. I'm locking it right now. I'll burn a Jalen Richard jersey if I'm out. <laughs> no, I, I, I like Jalen Richard. I'm playing him too. Moving on. I like Theo Riddick <laughs> this week uh, as a streamer potential. He's caught 13 of 15 targets over the past two weeks. It looks like Marvin Jones is probably going to be out. He wasn't practicing on Thursday, at least. That could kind of contribute up Riddick's market share in terms of their targets and things like that. In a PPR league only, I think he's worth an option just because he is a part of that passing game. Panthers are giving up the eighth fewest fantasy points per game to running back, so it's a tough matchup, but I like him in the passing game only in PPR leagues. I, I think these are very similar players on paper, and I want to take one quick second to differentiate. I don't love Riddick because I feel, maybe I'm just biased. I feel like Jalen Richard has a somewhat more established role in what the Raiders are doing, and I just trust more that Richard's going to like definitely be a part of what they're doing right now. Whereas, yeah, yeah. theoretic, I just think it's too easy for the game to f- flow in a way that he's just not on the field. And Plus, he's playing behind carry-on, which is also just little bit scary. Carry on is so good. So I think Riddick's more likely to ghost you. But that's fair. Craig's giving me a blank stare because he loves Theoretic and he just feels so heartbroken. I don't have any connection to Theoretic, but I (laughs) would say if you had a connection to Theoretic. (laughs) Carry on catches passes and Doug Martin doesn't really. Right. Exactly. You know? 
Um, speaking of people's catch passes, Maurice Harris is the worst. What a segue. Yeah, thanks. What a segue. <laughs> it's like the worst thing that's ever happened. I loved it, actually. <laughs> my God, I don't know how to recover. Maurice Harris on the Redskins. Um, Redskins are, I mean, my God, how banged up they are. Paul Richardson's on IR, so RIP. The Redskins are missing four of their five starters still with everything. It's just absolute, it, it's really tough what's happened to their offense. We've talked about how that affects the run game. You would think that this could translate to being a pass-happy game for them because they're going against the Texans. I don't think their offensive line is going to be able to push the Texans' D-line. I mean, kind of every single person in the Texans' front seven is probably can manhandle whoever the, Tex- uh, the Redskins are going to block with. So you'd think they're not going to be able to run. Maybe they'll fall behind. But So I'm not confident that they'll be able to have a great offense in this game. And obviously right. they haven't had a lead change this season, which has been discussed. But I think Maurice Harris could either clean up in garbage time or be the main beneficiary. I still think Josh Dotson's not really consistent in the least or reliable. And Harris is just the last man left. He's talented. He's good. I mean, he's not like amazing, but he's more than good enough to like plug in as a flex if you're stretching. I mean, there's yeah. so much here and I don't think they'll find anything going in the run game. Yeah, that I mean, again, that that offense, like you said, is tough to trust. And it just so much depends upon uh, game script and how it starts out. But yeah, I like in terms of the receivers on that team, he is an option. He's kind of, he's like, did you, I don't know if you said he caught 15 of the last 17 targets. So. Yeah. And the Texans are the best run defense by DVOA, by football outsiders. So I, that combined with the, how banged up the Redskins line is, I can't imagine the Redskins are going to run, like, run the ball effectively. And if they can, then my God. But I think they're going to have to pass. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the other side of the line. Uh, Kiki Kuti of the Texans going Kiki, up against the Redskins. Can we get the Kiki? No. What? You're like Jim now, Craig. You used to be fun. Now you don't even do anything anymore. What oh, is so is hard about Drake? He's like the most popular guy in the world. This is about fantasy football. <sighs> Fine, if you say so. Go on, DK. All right. 28% owned Yahoo and ESPN. I think even with Demarius Thomas in Houston, I think he's still going to be a good option for them because he is that underneath option. He's kind of the guy that they use on the jet sweep action, screens, things like that. I think they're going to get him a lot more involved. This is all assuming you have to kind of keep an, keep track of his health. He has been questionable. I think he's been limited in practice. So I think if he plays, he has a good chance of putting up some production. Redskins are giving up the 11th most fantasy points per game to receivers. In the first game that he played this year, which he took kind of took over for Will Fuller, who tore his ACL. Actually, Will Fuller got hurt a different way. I don't even remember what the injury was in that game. And Kuti uh, took over. He had 15 targets, 11 catches, 109 yards in that game kind of fed him I don't know if that's that's obviously not going to happen every week but I do think he'll be a big part of that team in that passing game so I'm a big Kuti guy going forward uh, hopefully he's healthy it was notable about that is Hopkins has as big of a target share of Watson's passes as anybody as any receiver in football and uh, Kiki's first game I'm, I, I don't know if it's Kuti or Cutie but Kiki's first game uh, he had 15 targets, and that was just the second time all year someone's had more targets on the Texans than Hopkins. And I have no idea if that's going to happen this week. But even if you don't play him, it's really great to have him on your bench because if he does become like a featured guy instead of that was like a one-week thing, he's really great moving forward. Um, yeah. God, I can't get over Craig Denias, that music cue, dude. I'm like, he's so... It's never going to happen. His head's man. like too big for his britches, man. I mean, God. I, I mean, like Rashad, Penny has, Rashad Penny has one good game. I'm a whole different person. <laughs> Uh, Ricky Seals Jones of the Cardinals. Um, I think he's going to be a bigger part of the offense going forward. I think that what people projected from in the preseason made sense, and the Cardinals didn't run an offense that made sense. Now they are doing what makes sense, which is 
Feed David Johnson in space, horizontally and vertically. Stretch the field. Get Ricky Seals-Jones the ball. Had his most targets of the season last week. I think that continues with Byron Leftwich. Raiders defense, not only are they maybe the worst or second worst defense in the league, I think there's a 15 to 20% chance they give up this week. Like they quit on Gruden. Um, <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I, I, It's happening at some point. It is going to happen. It's going to be amazing when it happens. And I'm fascinated by anyone playing the Raiders, and Seals-Jones is already a great one. So, love yeah, Ricky. Yeah, I like that. The other one, this one's a little bit more of a, a dart throw. Jeff Uriman of the Broncos going up against the Chargers. In D. Thomas's first game out from the Broncos offense, he was the guy who kind of stepped up. He had 11 targets, 10 catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. You know, is that is that indicative of what the offense is going to look like going forward, or is it just a weird like blip on the radar? We'll find out. I think it is worth just testing it out and seeing how it goes. Tight end is such a shallow position. So he's an option, too, if you're really desperate at the tight end position this week. Yeah, well, first of all, this is medium-sized Jeff, so put some respect on his name. Um, (laughs) Second of all, the Chargers lost a crucial linebacker this week, whose name I'm Googling because I don't want to get it wrong, because it's not (laughs) Nick Perry. Denzel Perryman? Denzel Denzel Perryman, yes, not Nick Perry. I'm old. Um, Not really. But yeah, Denzel Perryman, I think losing him, and he was playing really well for them, and they have had trouble at linebacker the last few years, but he's been fantastic. So losing him, that that definitely opens things up. but yeah, all right. I think that's all we got, DK. I'm still yeah. pretty mad at Craig. I think I'm going to, I guess I can't really have any power. I'm just going to stare at him passive aggressively as I leave. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'll see you on Monday then. All right, sounds good. The Cavo Control Center is the first truly universal TV remote control for your entire home theater. Connect up to four devices and centralize all of your content in one place so you can easily find what you want when you want it. It's simple to set up and shipping is free. Shop now at Cavo.com and use promo code NFL for 20% off. That is C-A-A-V-O.com. Cavo.com. Promo code NFL for 20% off.